Welcome back to Georgia Sports Network. Today we are previewing the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants coming up um, on Sunday. And then we'll be talking about the Georgia Bulldogs playing the Vanderbilt Commodores. We'll also be talking about the Braves finishing up their series with the D-backs and their uh, series coming up this weekend. Uh, And then we'll also touch on Atlanta United real quick. So stay tuned. All right, guys. So to start off, we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Falcons playing the New York Giants, both winless teams. So somebody will get a win on Sunday. Um, Thank God. Hopefully. Well, I mean, assuming it's us. Thank God. Um, Because, I mean, man, I cannot. I, I like I know New York is supposed to be good, but. I don't want to lose to New York because they're not good. I don't believe in Daniel Jones. I got him in one of my fantasy starting lineups. Don't get me wrong because, I mean, I got a fantasy-wise, he seems like he's going to play well, but I don't – there's a part of me that thinks he's not going to play well. Um, but it's not a money league, so I don't care. So I'm, I'm testing it anyways. But um, so the Falcons um, coming off of a 48-25 to loss to Brady – and the Buccaneers, as we all saw, and we talked about on uh, Tuesday, uh, I think I, I, I still, I still don't have on track when when these episodes are coming out. But um, this one it was supposed to be done last night and then released today. Um, as you can see, it's going to be released late today. It's supposed to be coming out this morning. Uh, my daughter's first birthday is tomorrow, so um, so just got a lot going on around here. But um, anyways, so. Uh, Falcons coming off of the bad loss to the, the to the Buccaneers, and if you saw the game or if you got a chance to watch it afterwards, it was a pretty decent game up until about the fourth quarter. Um, we really lost control of the game, and actually, it started out looked like it was going to be the game everybody expected and kind of what everybody got. But uh, then we actually made a comeback and looked pretty good. So there's some some to build on from last week um, going into this week. Um, to start, though, um, actually not even building off of last week, really, building off of really Matt Ryan's career, um, he's super proficient um, against the New York Giants. Uh, uh, so he's played them, I believe, I believe, I actually didn't even write it down. Um, I believe he's played them five times, something like that. Um, he's got 1,596 passing yards, eight touchdowns, and one INT. So eight to one ratio against the Giants coming in. Um, so it seems like it's set up, um, pretty nicely for, um, uh, not Atlanta for, um, for Matt Ryan to have, um, a good game. Of course (coughs) it is in New York, so it's not, he's not going to really have a home field advantage there, but, uh, you know, I don't think Matt Ryan really has a problem on the road. I think sometimes he just has a problem being the leader. Um, but anyway, so something to build on from last week, Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley were well integrated into the offense last week. That was really awesome to see. Um, we got to keep especially Calvin Ridley involved. I mean, and I know Kyle Pitts was a, was a high draft pick, obviously. But Calvin Ridley, got to keep him involved. Um, I mean, again, he was another high draft pick, too. He's just a little bit older. Um, and, and only a little bit. So, um, you got to keep him involved. You got to keep him in the game plan. Um, 
especially down in the red zone, because now with Kyle Pitts, with, oh, sorry about that, <laughs> little break. Um, with Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley, you really have two red zone threats because Calvin Ridley has the strength, as we saw last week, to go get those slants <coughs> up the middle. So got to keep them involved and keep them as a threat because then when you get down into the red zone if, multiple times, obviously, throughout a game, you can start to lean on that run game a little bit um, in the red zone, and you can start to lean on the run game in general when you get those, those two involved because it's, it's hard to cover both of them. Um, because you really need a perfect player to cover just one of them. Um, so got to keep them involved. Um, outside of that, though, um, uh, offensively, uh, keeping Cordero Patterson involved would be key. Um, I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been the majority of our offense the last two weeks. So um, I don't see how they don't keep him involved coming into this week. Um, outside of that, uh, not much. Uh, obviously, the O line's going to have to continue to do better. We talked about last or uh, Tuesday and and last week. Um, you know, the, the offensive line is getting better. I mean, we saw you know in game one we saw a lot of sacks, a lot of QB hits. Not so much in in game two. Um, Jalen Mayfield played a lot better. So the key is just again just better blocking up front. And and like I understand like blocking better blocking okay well duh but like I'm not asking for every single play to go perfectly for blocking I'm just saying get in front of a guy and and stop him from getting to where he wants to go not necessarily pushing him to where he's supposed to go for the play but just at least stop him from where he wants to go um and and if we can at least do that I think we can win this game I mean it's it's the Giants (laughs) Um, they don't look good. Now, defensively, um, the se- our secondary is bad. Our secondary is really bad. We've allowed five touchdowns and a 129.2 passer rating over the last two weeks. That's, that's bad, bad. Um, in the last two games, 80 points, eight touchdowns, no interceptions, and both quarterbacks, one of which Jalen Hurts. Don't get me wrong. You know, I get it. He's a good quarterback, and I, I believe in Jalen Hurts. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's going to be awesome. Um, I think he's going to be another Cam Newton. But with – and nothing against Cam Newton, but I think Cam has a bit of this um, this, this swagger and this um, confidence that he – that kind of leaks over into, um, you know, like like the fumbled at the Super Bowl, and and I have a guy who hopefully will get on here and talk. And is a Carolina Panther fan, and he will tell you that was a huge play, and he he really is mad at Cam for not making that play. And I think he still likes Cam a lot, but um, he he still he still feels some type of way about that play. So I think Jalen Hurts is that, but he's got the work ethic, and he's got the 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 I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Um, to be the best because I think Cam Newton had a little bit of the I already know I'm the best and he was really good so I mean but one 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 fumble away um anyways so again in two games both QBs go over 260 yards with a 131.2 rating between the two of them um or I'm sorry um a 131.2 rating I believe was the highest um so 
not a not a very good um actually i don't know what that means what i don't understand what i what what that means there um anyways uh they both go over 260 yards so the pass at the secondary is just not is not playing well um and i mean and I believe – I don't know if A.J. Terrell is even going to be in this game. Now, it's Friday morning, so I actually haven't even looked. But let's, let's take a look. May have some breaking news um, right here on the podcast, but probably not. Because um, he had a concussion. So, I would believe that he's probably not going to be – yeah. Uh, so, one day ago, injury report, A.J. Terrell missed the start of Giants practice week. Uh, they were absent from Wednesday's practice. So, probably not going to see uh that that was in reference to aj terrell and russell gage so russell gage probably is not going to play as well um so that'll be another um loss for the offense um so aj terrell probably not playing so our secondary is going to be in trouble and daniel jones looks good so that's why i'm playing him in fantasy now again i said i don't believe in daniel jones but uh, today he will be playing probably one of the worst secondaries in the league, unfortunately. But nonetheless, maybe we can make the play. I'd rather I'd rather us win than Daniel Jones go off. So, um, but outside of that, the run defense is okay, but it can be exposed by a better back. And now I'm not saying Fournette is any better than the backs we've faced so far. I, you know, you've got Rojo um, and Fournette for uh, Tampa Bay. And then, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on who we played week one now. Um, oh, my goodness. Why am I drawing a blank on who we played week one? Um, but anyways, if, uh, you know, like I said, Rojo, Fournette, they, um, they're, they're, you know, pretty good backs. I mean, Ro- I think I think I can't remember if Ronald Jones fumbled in this game or if it was the game before that that he had fumbled in and, and – uh, and he put and um, Arians pulled him out um, in like the second quarter or something like that. Never saw him again. But um, either way, those two guys, they're not necessarily uh, stellar backs per se. Um, and then the Eagles. Now you have Miles Sanders, who, you know, I mean, he's pretty I mean, I, I think he's a pretty good back. Um, but, you know, he's no he's no um, Saquon Barkley. That's for sure. Um, so. Obviously, the the backs that we've matched up with, um, I mean, even Fournette last week had 52 yards, 4.7 yards per carry. I mean, that's, I mean, two carries and he's almost picked up a first down. So, um, you know, it's just it does not bode well for the Falcons defense. You've got Barkley coming off of his best week so far, 13 carries, 57 yards, four 4.4 yards per carry. So, um, not not exactly exciting news for the Falcons and their defense coming up, but um, this is, I mean, so not only do you have to face Barkley, I mean, we, we just talked about that's a tough, that's, that's tough in general, but, but you're going on the road again for the second week in a row. Um, this is going to be really tough in New York. Um, now I'm actually curious about what the weather is um for uh for the for the game because if it's cold this will be obvious i would assume the the first cold game of the year 
um, for Sunday. So it says with a low of around 58 on Sunday. So probably won't be too cold. It'll probably be a little chilly out there, but actually probably be perfect weather to play in. So nothing to worry about there, but um, it is still in New York. And again, it's your second road game in a row. Um, you had to go to Tampa Bay. Now you got you to go travel all the way up the Eastern seaboard and go back up to back up to uh, New Jersey and play in East Rutherford. So tough ask there. Now, luckily the giants are again, winless coming off of a really, really bad loss to Washington. That was terrible. Um, so, I mean, you have that going and not only that Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay, probably their best receiver. Well, at least projected coming into this year. Now Sterling Shepard looks really good. Um, and, and Darius Slayton, really. Um, him and Galladay are really having trouble hooking up. Um, they, I think they had like eight targets, and he had like three receptions. Um, they were arguing on the sidelines during the Washington game. So we have something going for us there. Um, they also aren't very good on defense either. Um, they gave up 336 yards to Taylor Heineke. A 90, good enough for, excuse me, a 99.6 QB rating. Uh, they also gave up 69 yards and 5.3 yards per carry to Antonio Gibson last week. Now, Antonio Gibson, I've, I've got him on my fantasy team, so I certainly believe in him. So nothing surprised there. Um, New York Giants defense is a little better than I think, or at least running-wise, is a little better than what we saw last week with Antonio Gibson. Washington's a pretty good team, even though Heineke's at the helm. He's he's a pretty good he's a he's a, I think he's a decent quarterback, um, especially uh, pretty good for for a backup. Um, and then Antonio Gibson, a good running back, scary Terry on the outside. So it it's it was a tough ass for the Giants last week, and and so it's it's not shocking that they lost and, and they put up the points that they did or they put up the yards that they did. But we'll see what we can do offensively. They're looking – I mean, the only, the best thing they've got going for them, or at least for us, is their offensive lineman, Nick Gates, will be out. Barkley likely is going to be at 90-plus percent, so that's going to be just tough for our defense to even stop. Um, Evan Ingram possibly returning. Uh, so it it's going to be – it's going to be a tough game for um, – it's going to be a tough game for, um, for the defense. Um, now – I the the best way that I can think to or the only thing I can think of to work on for the offense and I'm going into my keys to the game um, is to keep Ridley Patterson and Pitts involved. Um, those three guys are going to be key to performing on offense. So we we're going to have to keep those three involved. The other thing is communication and cohesion. Um, the communication um, on the okay, because my dog's barking now. Hold on, and and we're back. Um, just a uh, little dog's barking again. That stuff outside. Um, so again, back to what I was saying: communication and cohesion. Like I said um, Tuesday, if you guys heard, it, there was just some. I mean, I definitely. I you, if you watch the game, you saw that there was just a lack of communication um, on the field from the coaches to the quarterback, from, from the quarterback to the players. It just looked like there were some communication problems, which is not surprising for Atlanta. We've seen this before. Um, 
and the cohesion just it didn't look like the play calling was cohesive it didn't look like anything was cohesive so um just just get that together somehow i don't i don't know how to, to, to tell you to work on that without just telling you to work on it um defensively take advantage of the missing alignment and get to daniel jones i mean it's just it's that simple you've got an alignment out attack that spot attack it send Deion jones there send um send your safeties there send everybody there because that is where you're going to be able to get to daniel jones now if you can get to daniel jones he can make some throws on the run but i think if you can if you can get him on the run you're better off than him just sitting in the pocket so um i'm i'm gonna say the, the biggest thing for for the defense is to take advantage of that missing alignment because the only other thing they need to do is manage Barkley. Um, somehow find a way to manage Saquon's carry, I mean, touches, um, which that's actually going to go to the offense by keeping the defense off the field. Keep hold on to the ball because um, you're not going to be able to stop Saquon. You can manage him, but but if you if you can manage his touches, if you can manage – how many tackles he breaks, it will it, it will at least tone it down to where, you know, he gets 70 yards and a touchdown, not 120 yards and two touchdowns. Um and, and that's a lot that's a large, large difference. Um and that that would be the difference in this being a good game versus this being an absolute blowout. So gotta be careful with with Saquon. If he gets going, it, it will be a bad day. So moving on, if you're here for the Georgia Bulldogs, we're talking about them playing the Vanderbilt Commodores. A little tune-up game, most people would say, um, especially um, with Vanderbilt not being very good. Um, they're just – I mean, they're, they're not a good team. I mean, they, they, they're, they're one of the worst teams in the NCAA. They're certainly the worst team in the SEC at all times. Um, they're under new management. Clark Lee is their new head coach. So they and they just got this is their first year. So um, they're <laughs> there's no chance that they have any sort of a semblance, you know, cohesive plan. So he's. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so th this is just this is not set up well for them to be to be bringing Georgia to their house. Um, it is not it's not going to be a good day for them. So real quick, just talking about Vanderbilt, their season opened up with an immediate loss to an FCS school, East Tennessee State, twenty three to three. They didn't even cross the end zone. So bad start to the season for his coaching, uh, for, for his first year coaching. Um, then they go to Colorado State, upset Colorado State, I would say, 24 to 21. Um, and then they bring Stanford to Vanderbilt, to Nashville, and lose 41 to 23. Okay, the line on this last time I saw was, I believe, like 34 and a half. And, you know, we don't really talk too much about, about lines. But, you know, last week the line was, uh, I believe, like 31 by the, time, uh, by the time game time rolled around. So currently I'm seeing this line is at minus 34. So last week 
everybody was saying, oh, well, we don't know if they're going to cover. And I actually didn't think they were going to cover because, you know, what what will happen is generally a, a team like Georgia will get up on a team like USC, you know, 20, 30 points, and they'll start to bring in their backups. And you'll start to see, you know, USC score a touchdown and, and they'll make it, you know, it'll be a 21 point game, but it really was like a 40 point game the whole time. Um, that can, that can happen a lot. Right. So that's what, you know, everybody thought was going to happen with USC sort of did happen, but we still beat the crap out of them 40 to 13. Um, coming into Vanderbilt, who is a much worse team than South Carolina, we're coming in at minus 34. So they're only given another three points. If you're a betting man, take this because Georgia's probably going to hang 50 on Vanderbilt. And actually, if I was a betting man, I, the thing I would bet on actually would be the over-under because the over-under is 51 points. Don't be surprised if Georgia scores 51 by themselves tomorrow because Vanderbilt is not good. <laughs> Their defense is terrible. So, again, this is – uh, we're not going to really dive deep into this game, obviously, because, I mean, it is – it's just on paper. It's just not a fun game to talk about. Because I mean, well, it's fun for me because, I mean, I'm a huge Georgia fan, so it's probably fun for you guys to even listen to it or, or even think about it because, I mean, it's just always fun to watch Georgia beat the crap out of people. But it is also fun to watch Georgia play better teams like Clemson. Um, so – this game, um, offensively, starting off with Georgia, 35.3 points per game, 433 yards per game. Just really figured it out the last two weeks. Obviously, Clemson was a bit of a struggle, but, you know, it's week one. Um, and then even week two, we lost JT Daniels. So, um, speaking of JT, he's 73.8% completion percentage with 438 yards and three touchdowns. Of course, he, like I just said, he missed the game, missed UAB. So stats are a little skewed right now, but they'll they'll fill themselves in as we go, especially probably after this game. Um, but you know, out, outside of JT Daniels, who is performing and looks to be the starter from here on out, like everybody expected, um, we got a lot of backups filling in for injured players really well. Um, of course, the main injuries being Darnell Washington, George Pickens, and Dominic Blaylock. Brock Bowers filling in for Darnell Washington leads the team with 14 receptions, 203 yards, and two touchdowns. That's that's awesome. Um, and again, I'm gonna probably talk about this all year. He had the high, the second highest speed for a ball carrier in week two. Just remember that. Um, Jermaine Burton uh, filling in for, I guess you could say, George Pickens. I mean, I know the wide receiver thing kind of gets a little muddy, but we'll say George Pickens. Eight receptions, 173 yards, two touchdowns, plus that big long one against South Carolina. Um, and then Adonai Mitchell filling in for, for Dominic Blaylock, six receptions, 119 yards, and touchdowns. So just a couple – few guys that are really playing really well um, in place of some really good injured players. Um, Darnell Washington looks to be one of our top tight ends. George Pickens, of course, we've all been ready to see – um, play probably at, le it, at least a string of four to five games. Um, if I don't think we've seen him play a string of four to five games, at least not fully healthy. Um, but, you know, just a couple of guys that are filling in for, for, for really big, filling in in really big spots. Um, now, the one thing that the offense could work on, um, if you could say that, is the rushing, is the running game. 
156 rushing yards a game. While that sound, you know, I mean, it's not terrible. 150 yards a game on the ground is respectable, but we normally lean towards about 200. So, and a little over 200. So we need to get our three guys involved a little bit more. I mean, Zamir White, we're coming into what this is week four with 28 carries for Zamir White, 24 carries for Kendall Milton, and only 14 carries for James Cook. And James Cook got a lot of carries um, against South Carolina. So not, not exactly what I would say I'd be looking for in the sense of what my Georgia running backs would, would get as far as touches. Um, especially uh, Kendall Milton. I would like to see Zamir White at about 30, Kendall Milton right now. I would like to see Zamir White at about 30 to 33, Kendall Milton at about 40 maybe. Um, maybe, maybe 35, 30, yeah, 35 to 40. And then James Cook, I would have to about 20 to, to 25 carries right now. Um, just because these guys are unbelievable athletes. And especially right now, when you've got Blaylock um, and George Pickens and Darnell Washington, when you've got these guys sidelined, you can get these guys more touches and everybody's going to say, well, yeah, obviously you've got your mission, your top receivers. Now, it's great that these receivers are filling in for these injured guys, but the bottom line is, is this is your opportunity to get your running back some touches without worrying about not getting enough touches for your, your star players on the outside. I don't know why we're not getting more touches for these guys. Um, hopefully we'll see some more here in Vanderbilt considering they – are going to be a really bad team to play. So we'll get up pretty high enough that I think we'll be running the ball a lot. So hopefully we'll see some more touches for these guys and be able to unlock some of their potential and maybe let everybody see, Hey, we need to be playing these guys a little bit more against teams that actually mean something. Um, combined, they have a 5.9 yard per carry. I mean, two carries and these dudes are picking up first downs. So very important to get these guys and keep these guys involved. Um, moving to the defense, of course, led by 345 or 340 pound monster Jordan Davis. Um, he's having a great season. We'll get to uh, a little bit into his season a little bit um, a little bit later. The whole defense as a whole, 146 yards passing, 75 rushing yards, one passing touchdown allowed through three games, and that is the only touchdown allowed through three games. So Georgia defense, of course, as we all know, is playing very well. Um, they are the key probably to our season ending up in the college football playoffs. So it is important that we keep these guys healthy. It's important that these guys, um, you know, stick to the scheme and are, are, are learning and are staying engaged because these guys are going to be the key to us getting to the CFP and us as hopefully winning it. Um, and actually, even before that, this is going to be the key to us getting to the SEC title. I mean, we have to really fight through just one team being Florida, but it's still it's going to be a battle in the SEC title. We all we, we all know that it, it always is. So these guys are going to be key. Thirteen sacks all together for the team, led by Adam Anderson, who has three, and Nicobe Dean with two and a half. Eight players on the team have at least one sack 
going back to Jordan Davis with two sacks. Um, Nolan Smith, two sacks. Channing Tindall, two sacks. So it, these guys are getting to the quarterback and making sure that we bring them down. And it is, it is a, the, the pass rush is a big key to our defense and why we have um, the success we've had on defense. So starting with the big man, Jordan Davis, or, or really just talking about him, he's got, he's, he's got three tackles right now, or no, four tackles, um, two assists, and two tackles for losses. Of course, um, I'm sorry, three tackles for losses, four solos, four assists. Um, he has no fumbles yet, so that's the one thing I'm looking for him, uh, looking for from him going forward is, is some fumbles. Um, just because, I mean, he, he's a big man with a lot of speed, so he can touch every ball carrier just about on almost every play. Um, so that's the one thing I will say I'm looking for from, from Jordan Davis from, from here forward is just a few, a few more notches in the belt for, for the fumbles because um, it seems like he's going to get his sacks. Uh, he's well on his way to having a good season for sacks. So um, anyways, um, moving on from our defense that we all know is great, Talk about the Vanderbilt Commodores real quick. Again, like we said, their last three weeks have not been great with their only win being Colorado State. Um, and then on top of all of that, they lost their starting running back, Ramon Davis, to an injured toe against Stanford. So they're going to be running their backup running back, Rocco Griffin, who will be, um, I would assume, vitally important to their um, to their overall efforts in trying to upset the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, they don't really have much in terms of offense anyways, um, but Ramon Davis did leave, lead the team with 44 carries, 211 yards at 4.8 yards per carry and a touchdown. He's followed up, however, by Rocco Griffin, 28 attempts, 131 yards, and no touchdowns, 4.7 yards per carry, though. So they've got a decent backup, at least seemingly on paper. We'll see how he performs. Of course, his first um, task is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs defense. So sorry about you, buddy. Welcome to the NCAA, um, especially the SEC. So outside of that, they've got a couple receivers, uh, Chris Pierce Jr., Will Shepard, and Kim Johnson, um, all have over 100 yards. Chris Pierce on his way to 200. Uh, Chris Pierce on his way to 200. Will Shepard well on his way to 200 as well. Um, Chris Pierce, however, uh, Chris Pierce and Cam Johnson are the only ones with touchdowns. Cam Johnson with two, Pierce with one. So those are their three go-to guys on the outside. Should be pretty easy to shut them down. I don't know who's going to end up on Ringo Island or Keeley Island, whatever you want to call it, but whoever it is probably not going to get a catch if you're on that side of the ball. Um, so I, I actually have a feeling he'll probably work his way between all three, if I had to guess, um, just because I, you could put him all over the field and he could shut anybody down. So going to be a bad day for the Vanderbilt offense, as we probably all well know. Um, 
going to the defense, linebacking core is their strength, uh, led by Ethan Barr, 25 tackles, 13 solo tackles, and three pass deflections, and Ashton Orgy, Orgy, I don't know, 21 tackles, 10 solo tackles. So nothing special going on with their defense either. Um, That's their two best guys uh, just making tackles, really. They don't really have uh, much else in that department. They have one guy with an interception, uh, and that's it. And I don't even think they have a fumble yet. They don't have a fumble. So nothing real threatening on the offense. Uh, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, they have one sack between two people. Um, So nothing real scary on the defensive side of the ball. They allow 6.35 yards per play, 393.7 yards per game. So offense should have a day. Key to the game, keep Brock Bowers involved and get more carries to Kendall Milton and the rest of the running backs. I talked about it earlier, of course, keeping Bowers involved. And I talked about keeping the backs involved. We've got to get these backs involved. They are, they are the key on offense to our, a prolific offense, because if we can get the running game going, Oh my goodness. If we have the running game going, the outside's going to open way up. And when you start getting teams like Florida and Texas A&M as we play Texas a and I'm pretty sure. Um, I mean, even if we don't, I'm just saying in general, playing Texas A&M or playing um, Auburn or playing Alabama, you're going to get those throws downfield because they know they, they have to respect the run game coming into the game. And then when you set that president from the get-go, they start to respect it even more because if you can already run it on them coming into the game or if you can run it right at the beginning of the game and, they, and you're proving that you can run it, then it's just going to open up a, no, a whole other world on the outside. So got to get those backs involved. Um, the other key to the game for the defense, keep that good pass rush and force quick decisions. We have a hole in the deep part of the field. We do not have corners that can cover deep, apparently, um, because we saw South Carolina, Doty, if he could hit the deep ball, would have exposed our deep backfield so badly. Um and a lot of people, I don't know if they didn't see it or maybe they're just not talking about it because they don't feel that it matters or whatever. But I haven't heard a whole bunch of people talking about it. Did hear a few that were talking about it, and they they gave uh, some good inform or not information, but they gave some good talking points on it because um, I mean it is a, it's a problem. Other teams are gonna expose it. Better teams are gonna expose it. Bryce Young will expose it. So. You have to get that fixed. This is the game to fix it. Do not let the D ball happen. Um, outside of that, this should be an easy win. This should be an easy, easy, easy win. We should walk in, drop 50, hold them to less than 10, and walk out. I mean, it just, it's, it, this is nothing. Um, so if you came here for something other than football, we're moving on to other than football. Um, oh, actually, no, we're not, because we're going to talk about Georgia Tech. So Georgia Tech has a big game coming up against the South Carolina, I mean, not the South Carolina, the um, North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, number 21, North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, they play at 730, so this will be a nice little primetime game for all you Georgia Tech fans. Um, you'll get to get to watch boys play at primetime. Now, um, Georgia Tech had the really nice game against um, against Clemson. They looked r- really tough. 
almost beat them 14 to eight in Clemson in South Carolina. So a very good game for Georgia tech in all reality. Now I know you lost and uh, I know it, it's kind of, kind of was a tough loss because it, it, you guys could have won the game, honestly, and probably should have if your offense could have produced. Um, but unfortunately, we all saw what happened um, and just maybe some bad play calling, maybe whatever you want to call it. But, um, you know, just just not um, not a good day. Right. But you got to look at the hindsight. They really played well against a number six ranked team um, with a first year head coach or I think he's the second year. But anyways, either way, you're you're a brand new offense. You've never run this offense before. You've never run this defense before. You've been running triple option and. I think they ran like the 4-4. Four, four. I can't remember what they ran on defense. But you run a whole new scheme across the board, new coaches, new everything. So you have to be really proud of the team for playing a team like Clemson that's so established and just played a team like Georgia as well. I mean, it was a 10-3 to game, but it was still a good game with a team like Georgia. So for Georgia Tech to play a team like Clemson like that, I mean, I'm not saying the Georgia Tech-Georgia game is going to be that good, but, I mean, you have some hope going into it at least. Um, Jordan Yates, uh, he's – I mean, he's not balling out by any means, 65.3 completion percentage, which is pretty pretty solid. Something to complain about, 7.9 average per throw. I mean, that's a pretty good uh, – a pretty good um, – pretty good average there, 5-1 to one ratio, touchdown to INT. Um, he's been sacked nine times, but, I mean, that's not really his fault. Um, so, you know, he he's not setting the world on fire by any means. But, I mean, you walk into UNC with a, t- with a, with a, with a touchdown ratio of five to one after you played Clemson uh, the week before, you're doing something pretty good. Um, so, Yates obviously is going to be the key to this game. He's going to have to play well. He's probably going to have to open it up a little bit. Um, North Carolina's got a decent defense, so uh, especially in the passing game. So, I mean, it, it's just going to boil down to can Yates make the throws. All right, sorry, I had to um, – oh, my computer just yelled something at me. Um, I had to stop for a second. We had to, had to handle something. But uh, we're back. Um, I was saying Yates is going to be important. He's going to have to get the ball uh, going around to some people to include um, – Ky, uh, Ky, Kyrick McGowan, I think is how you say his name. Kyrick, yeah, Kyrick McGowan. Um, Kyrick McGowan and Malachi, Malachi Carter. Um, I, I haven't really, again, I'm a Georgia fan, so I just, I've not watched enough Georgia Tech games to hear their names called yet. Um, but anyways, uh, those guys are going to have to get going. Now, on the ground, you're going to have to get, Jameer Gibbs going. He's crucial on the ground. He's crucial in the air. Um, he can do a lot for you. So, so he's going to be important for this team. Him and Yates together are going to have to bring this team together. And, you know, I know you didn't get the upset against Clemson, and this isn't Clemson. So, you know, it's not going to be, you know, that kind of upset. But, but beating UNC means a lot. And if you beat UNC, I mean, what does that say about what I mean, where do you go with the ACC? Because because they they beat UNC, UNC is going to plummet. Um, and Georgia Tech 
I don't know if they've done enough to earn a rank spot, especially with their two losses. Now, I don't know what the committee ranked them based on, you know, that Clemson loss, but I would assume not, they didn't give them much leeway, I would assume. But anyways, um, so your key guys on defense, um, you're going to have to have a Yind, LA, um, again, haven't heard their names called enough, so I'm just kind of, kind of trying to pronounce them. Um, Quez Jackson, uh, Charlie Thomas. Now, I think, I think we talked about him Tuesday. I believe he actually underperformed heavily last week. So, um, going to need him to step up um, and, and get back to what he's been doing the last couple of weeks before Clemson. Um, you know, between those two guys, I mean, between between those three guys, I mean, you're looking at what 60, 72, I think, right? Eight, 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 16, one, 70, yeah, yeah, so 76 tackles between the three of them, um, and two interceptions, which I'll go to one person, but, um, you know, it, oh, and a, and a forced fumble. So, um, you know, these guys are their keys to the defense. They're going to have to um, perform really well. Uh, and then the main thing I would say that the defense has got to get going is a pass rush, um, especially with, um, with, with, with North Carolina because you've got a good quarterback back there, um, plain and simple, and you're going to have to get pressure on him to to have to to get him to do anything um because so so Sam Howell is running a lot of Sam Howell's UNC quarterback he's running a lot of different plays he's running waggles boots RPOs all kinds of stuff because it confuses the defense and allows him to get time in the pocket or or outside of the pocket but I mean he can throw from anywhere so he, because he can do that, um, they they run these plays like this so that they can get the defense's eyes going one way and then he's actually going another. So the main thing on this defense this week is to have good eye discipline. Um, you're gonna have to um, you're gonna have to pay attention to where uh, Howell is going and where the flow like where the flow of the play is going because you're gonna you you cannot you cannot get caught up in all the in all the flashiness and all the trickery because that that is going to open up for Sam Howell and he will pick your defense apart so Georgia Tech's got a tough task ahead with UNC we'll see how they do I'm actually very interested in this game I will be I mean of course I'm going to be watching it anyways but um I, I am intri- I am intrigued by this game. I don't know if I'm a hundred percent convinced that Georgia Tech's gonna win, but honestly, if I had to make a pick, though, I would probably pick Georgia Tech, just because they're coming off of almost beating, um, almost beating a really really good. Um, a really good Clint or not a really good Clemson team. Let's not get carried away here, but they're coming off of beating a top 10 ranked, um, top 10 ranked Clemson team. So, and still led by Davis Sweeney. So 
Um, now, UNC, the, the thing that they're going to be worried about here, they've hung 59 in a row. They've hung 59 points twice in a row. So um, they've got the offensive firepower. Um, however, Virginia Tech was able to expose um, was able to expose North Carolina, I and mean, it's a hundred. It's why North Carolina North Carolina is ranked as low as they are. Um, so again, I go back to the key for the game is to get to Sam Howell. Well, Virginia Tech had three and a half, four, five, six sacks in the game. So again, and they forced three interceptions. So again. I go back to the important part for them is to get to Sam Howell. Um, getting to him forces him to either one take the sack because he he I don't think he likes to throw the ball away. I think he has trouble remembering that that's a you know when you're playing Madden because I, I know when I'm playing Madden I can't ever remember to throw the damn ball away. So I always either take sacks or I'm throwing interceptions. Well, that's what that's what Sam Howell does under pressure as well. So. If we can, if they can get him under pressure, I think they can win this game. We'll see what happens. I believe they can do it, so I'm 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 gonna say that they'll they'll upset upset UNC, be an upset upset of the year for Georgia Tech. Probably be the only upset that they get, but um, nevertheless, a decent year for a team who just got a new head coach um, and is learning a whole new regime. So, not not too mad about it tech fans now if you came here for anything other than football came here maybe some for, for some for some braves baseball action well that's what's up next so we've got the series win um well finishing the series win with a loss to the diamondbacks now obviously we'll, we'll get right into the loss but we all if you saw you know what happened um Four-game series with Arizona. Um, you had game one started off hot, um, scored 11 runs, beat Arizona 11-4. to um, Waskar Noah was the pitcher, was the starting pitcher. Um, four innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, two strikeouts. So not a bad, um, not a bad going. Uh, of course, you don't like to see the three earned runs. But when you have, you know, your bullpen comes in and does what it does, Jacob Webb came and got two strikeouts. Um, Richard Rodriguez comes in and saves Sean Newcomb from a bad, um, from a really bad inning. Chris Martin comes in, finishes, Chris Martin and, and Santana come in and finish it off. So when you have a bullpen that can pitch well, a starting pitcher can have a bad day. Um, and that's what we saw, um, at least in this game. Um, and then, and then game four, but anyways, game one. Um, so everybody kind of hit around, um, actually San, uh, nope. I'm sorry. That was a pitcher. Uh, yeah, everybody got a hit, um, that day. So a uh, good day for the batting. I mean, a good day. Yeah. Good day for the batting lineup. Everybody was able to get in on, on the hit column. So that's always good to see. Um, just a, again, uh, it's it's a, a really good start, eleven to four, um, and then you keep going, keeping it going, six to one, 
uh, beat the beat the Diamondbacks in game two. Drew Smiley starts the starts the game off. Three point one innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, no walks, and four strikeouts. Um, of course, you like to see a little more depth from your starting pitchers. Um, seven and seven. Seven and a third innings between your last two starting pitchers. Obviously, not what you um, like to see, but you know, we we're we're I I don't know why the starting pitching is having so much trouble. To be honest with you, but um, it looked like we were figuring it out halfway through the series after this game. Um, but then we had more issues. So before we get to that, um, of course, Riley and Freeman are continuing their insane onslaught of the base paths. Um, they are playing really well, hitting the ball really well. Uh, Freddie two for two for four with, with two runs, uh, and Riley one for four with a run and two RBIs. So just another good day for those guys. Uh, Darno had a hit. So, um, or I'm sorry, he had two hits. So, um, just a good day for, for the Braves on that one, for the batting lineup and for, and for pitching. I mean, you allow one run. So, um, and then another good day, 92. So, more runs, um, and you only allow an, an extra run. And on top of that, Ian Anderson goes deep. Seven innings pitch, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts. A great outing for Ian Anderson, something that is great to see. Um, and, of course, you know, again, most of the lineup hit pretty well. Um, now, Freddie Freeman took over three for five, three runs and two RBIs, but Austin Riley, of course, two for four, two hits. I mean, uh, two two runs, one RBI. Ozzy Albies, one one for four, one, one uh, run and three RBIs. So um, you've got guys that are stepping up and hitting. Finally see Contreras getting some hits um, in this game and the last game, and I believe in game four. So... Um, you know, just good hitting all around, which is which is actually good to see because that's something we kind of expected coming into the year, especially with Acuna on the lineup. And then when when he went down, now you've got uh, all these trade traded guys and picked up guys coming in, and they're now they've they stepped up and and now we're starting to see hitting is becoming contagious. Um, and even walking into, I mean, even even game four, I mean, he scored four runs um, and he had the lead. <laughs> going into the seventh um, and should have won it. So um, obviously moving on to game four, you had Charlie Morton again, go deep, six innings pitch, five hits, three earned runs, two walks and eight strikeouts. A, a pretty good game. Of course, you want to see that earned run come down a little bit, but I mean, three you can live with. Um, and really two of them were earned by him. Sure. But they were not given up by him. Um so, uh, you know, a good hitting day for some guys. Of course, Austin Riley, uh, Duvall has actually been hitting well um, as well. Albies is starting to really heat up. Um, so, the, you know, the hitting was there. We scored four runs. Can't ask for much more. Um, Jacob Webb. Jacob Webb comes in in the seventh inning with two guys on. I believe Charlie Morton had walked one and gave up another hit, or maybe he had walked or he maybe had given up a hit and then a walk or something like that. There were two guys on. Um, Webb comes in, gives up a three-run blast, and I'm pretty sure less than 10 pitches. I could be wrong, but from what I remember, it seemed like it was less than 10 pitches. 
um, and then gave up two more runs um, later on. So not a great day for Jacob Webb, not a great day for the Braves to lose the come-from-behind game. Um, but overall, you win the series, um, and I believe you still have the lead in the NL East. I mean, last I checked, we did. Yeah, so it's a two-game lead, but it's a lead. Um, but, you know, it, again, it, you're going you're gonna to let this lead erode, and you've only got two, four, six, eight, nine games left. And three of those games are against the team that's two games behind you. So we, the Phillies currently um, are in a series. They, they had a game yesterday. They have a game today at 7-5 with the Pirates. Um, they won 12-4. They're actually currently on a little three-game win streak. So, um, and the Pirates are not very good. So hopefully, hopefully they get off track um, pretty soon. But anyways, um, so you, again, like I said, you've got, you've got your three games coming up with Philly. Tuesday, September 28th, Wednesday, September 29th, and Thursday, September 30th, all at 7.20. Um, before that, you're lining up with the Padres today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Um, so a big weekend for Atlanta guys. I mean, for, uh, for Atlanta fans and uh, Georgia fans um, and Georgia Tech. I mean, I, I mean the, the, whole, the whole state's got, got big things going on in the sports world. Um, and then we'll follow it up with the Phillies, like I said, and then we actually have the Mets later on if the Mets were to, were to get hot and we were to go really cold, so do the Phillies. Um, but I really we wouldn't even have to go that cold. Um, but anyways, so just a, a lot a lot to do for the Braves um, pitching-wise because you cannot have your bullpen coming in and, and giving up three-run leads. Uh, it's just that's you're never going to make it to the play. I mean, you might make it to the playoffs just because of how close we are to the end now at this point, but you're not going to make it very far in the playoffs. Um, so everybody tune in 10, 10 tonight. It, it's Thursday. It's Friday night. So our Friday morning. So, so tune in Tuesday night. I mean, um, Friday night, 10, 10 PM. Braves are playing the Padres. Starts a big series with the Padres. And of course I talked about on Tuesday, um, the Padres have a lot going on for them. They, you know, are supposed to be this really good team, and they are still pretty good, but they are having a lot of trouble with Machado and Tatis. They've come out and said that everything's okay, but uh, I think we'll find out today because you're playing a really good team in the Braves, and you got them at home. So, the, I mean, in all reality, the Padres would win this game, but I've got the Braves win um, this series. I think they're going to sweep the Padres. I think they're going to sweep the Padres and come into the Phillies matchup hot, on fire. The hitting's going to be hot. The pitching's going to be hot. I think we're just going to be – I think we're going to look really good against the Padres. At least I hope so. <laughs> but um, for you guys, that's it for today. Stay – tune in um, coming up next Tuesday. We'll be talking about all the games that happened this weekend. So we'll be talking about all the matchups with the Padres. We'll be talking about – how we played against the Giants, and we'll be talking about that win we got against Vanderbilt. Um, and hopefully be talking about a win we got against UNC, too. So y'all tune in Tuesday uh, and listen up for them recaps.